Hello, and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down, and occasionally we may just search for love, on days such as these. And on this Valentine's Day special, we are looking at the sermon, The Prodigal Wife. My name is Christopher, and ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat today, because this is one of the most special podcasts, I must say, that we have ever done in ASP history. Joining us in the studio today, we have returning guest, Mr. Michael Godfrey. Hey, everyone. And that is not all. Returning in spectacular fashion via the magic that is the interwebs, that is Skype, we have with us today co-host and today's preacher, Jesse Marks. Hello everyone, it is good to be on the interwebs today. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have you back, we haven't had you on since uh, episode 2 I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Which was um, your sermon, uh, Out of the Boat from Comfort to Courage. That's right. This is a recurring theme, I'm joining only only on my episodes. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. (laughs) No, I, I, I wanted to bring you back on a very special podcast to make a big triumphant entry and uh, I think from now on we'll have you on as a more regular guest in the foreseeable future, so you guys can look forward to having more episodes uh, with Jesse as one of our co-hosts here. Mm. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> awesome. And make sure to listen to the very end of our podcast today as we continue our tradition of doing something a little bit fun on our ASP specials, uh, as we do a little matchmaking for our young bachelor here, Mr. Jesse. Mm, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Alright, well, let's get into the recap, but just before we do, if you haven't watched the sermon, The Prodigal Wife, go to the link below and come back here later, because this podcast is full of spoilers. Spoilers. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into the recap. Jesse, what was the sermon about? Recap. Well, if you haven't watched the sermon, which I highly recommend you just stop this video right now and go back and watch it, (laughs) it's about the story of Hosea. So... If you've seen the sermon, you should know a little bit about Isaiah, but essentially he's a prophet in the northern kingdom, which is Israel, um, in that area, and he's called by God to preach a message of salvation to the Israelites, because eminent destruction is coming by the Assyrians, and he essentially said by God to save them. Now, what is interesting about this prophet is his whole life is like a symbol for what he is preaching. So God calls him to marry a prostitute, essentially. And this this whole, yeah, back and forth between the Goma, that's the name of the prostitute, his wife, just rejects him, walks away from Hosea. And God calls Hosea to go back to find Goma and to love her again, to recommit the marriage. And this whole thing is a symbol for God's love of how he loves the Israelites, how they have turned away from God. But yet God comes back. And he loves him yet again. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the story of the prodigal, the prodigal son, and I compare those two stories. And essentially, from that, I gain the conclusion that you know what, God's love for Israel is the exact same love for us. And we have turned away from God time and time again, like Israel. But yet, God still loves us. And then from that, I kind of challenge the people. It's always good to have a challenge at the end. So I challenge if if God can love us. 
if we continually reject God and walk away from Him, and God can still love us, that should challenge us to love the people who we find hard to love mm. in our lives. So, yeah, in a nutshell, it's pretty much the same. Awesome. Mm. So, so, guys, what did you think of the sermon? Well, uh, I really liked... I really like the just the topic of Hosea in general. I remember uh, while you were writing the sermon and we were discussing it every now and then when we'd catch up, I'd always kind of get a bit enthusiastic because I really like the book of Hosea. It's one of those kind of hidden gems in the Bible that yeah, most right. people sort of read over yeah, or they miss. Skim over it. Yeah. They skim over it and it's really deep, it's really poetic, and it's got a whole lot of really intense and lovely language. Um, and so I, was re- I really like just the fact that it's about Hosea in general. But I also liked, what I didn't expect was to then sort of have it turned on me on a different aspect. The challenge at the end that you gave about loving the unlovable, Mm. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Because what I'd always pulled out of it was uh, that God is always willing to come back to his people despite the fact that they may have turned their backs on him. He still wants to keep that covenant going. He wants to pursue it, and we always have that opportunity. So that's what I was expecting. Uh, I wasn't expecting it for it to become, we should try and show the same love that God does. And it really just makes logical sense when you put it in the context of Hosea. We should be doing, we should be showing the same unconditional love that God showed to us. Everyone makes mistakes, um, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If he can show that amount of love, surely we can, you know, try and act nice to some people who may give us a bit of trouble uh, in some difficult times. So, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, well said. Well, I can see, Jesse, that you uh, put a lot of thought into the sermon, into the preparation, the planning, because it was um, it was really well set out, and I'm sure it was... I, I can see that it was well thought out as well. Um, from the sermon title, The Prodigal Wife, it got me thinking. I was thinking, well, I wonder what the sermon's going to be about. Is it going to be about the prodigal son? Is there, There's no wife in that story. <laughs> What's uh, what? How are you going to kind of put it all together, the bit about Hosea, like you said, Chris, was really interesting because it's something that a lot of people don't cover, mm. don't talk about very much. Um, I don't think, uh, before you'd preached, I don't think I'd read Hosea, well, n- definitely not the whole book, I don't even think I'd, I'd read um, 20% of the book. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's something that I didn't know very much about at all, I knew the basic overarching story, but that's about all, so it was really really interesting for you to use that and then to overlay that with the prodigal son and to look at the comparison look at the similarities and the differences and then I really like that you took two points out of it instead of the one point yeah and I really like that you had two points that you brought out of it instead of one that you um, so we kind of became like the protagonist the prodigal son in the parable you kind of applied that to us and you said well you know uh, we may be t- saying that we're all harlots is going a bit too far, but uh, d- definitely the Bible says uh, the wages of sin is death, and all who have sinned have fallen yeah, well, the glory of God. We've all committed spiritual adultery yeah. in that sometime, whenever we sin, we're kind of betraying that commitment that we made. Mm, that's right. And so, um, in that sense, we have kind of wandered away from the Father. Um, and so I, I, I got that, and I realized that that's what you were saying, and I kind of half expected that to be the point that you were going to draw out of it but then like Chris said you drew the other point out of it too and instead of just becoming the prodigal son in the story you also said we can be kind of in a sense like the father in the story and we can love the unlovable that, that we have this duty to um, just as Christ loved us and just as the father forgives us and loves us and uh, shows mercy on us we should do the same for other people I thought it was really cool nice 
Alright, well let's get the ball rolling by going to our segment, the drawing board. Michael, what is the drawing board? Well, the drawing board is where we discuss the sources, inspirations and goals of the sermon in order to better understand the sermon in question. Right. So the drawing board. So um I you know so the sources for this. You you may find it hard finding one of these sources. So I've got this Bible called the MacArthur Study Bible. Um, essentially, it's it's the Bible, but every single, almost every verse has a commentary by this this preacher called John MacArthur. Mm. So he's yeah, I I got a lot of insight from him actually. Um, specifically, the I think if you remember my sermon, I talked about the cost that Jose will go with. I think it was like one and a half. One and one half homers of barley, like 12 pieces of somers, or something like that. Anyways, I got that um, when I said that was the actual price Jesus was sold into the Judas um, betrayed Jesus for. So I got that comparison from that. But no, it's, it's a really good resource if you want to look that up. Um, mm. Other than that, probably just the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other resource. And um, oh, yeah, one other one too. The. the uh, the Bible Project, uh, there's a little video on um, Hosea. That was a good resource as well. Yeah. Encourage everyone to look that up. Nice. And I suppose the goal was pretty self-evident to be able to challenge the congregation to essentially love the unlovable mm. as well as realize the uh, unconditional love that God has for all of us. Yeah, I've heard of the Bible Project. I think they do Nehemiah as well. Is that the same? The Bible Project has done every. Every book, book of the Bible. They've done every book in the Bible at this point. Uh, I know we've recommended them before on previous podcasts they're mm, really good they right. put out some really good well, stuff well that's just the standout one for me that's the one I remember um, seeing a YouTube video of them talking about that yeah um, yeah really good stuff so yeah awesome alright well let's get to the cutting room floor then which is the main meat of our podcast Michael what is the cutting room floor the cutting room floor is the segment where we discuss the parts of the sermon that didn't make it into the final product awesome alright take us through Jesse what didn't make the final cut Sure. So I thought to start off, we'll go through some fun facts. Fun facts. Ah. <laughs> so no, I've had lots of fun with this. So okay. So um, first of all, I think Hosea is um very relevant. I mean, if you guys didn't know, some scholars call Hosea the John of the Old Testament, which I think is pretty cool. So John being the apostle of love from the New Testament, it was all through. Um, out the book of Hosea, it's just about the love of God. It just goes, uh, it repeats over and over again. It's all throughout the book. So that's mm. pretty cool. Hosea, the John of the Old Testament. Yeah. Which you wouldn't expect, especially since a lot of people, when they go like, hey, what's your favorite gospel? They go, oh, Gospel of John. <laughs> but if you if you're ever to ask, hey, uh, what's your favorite prophetic book? I doubt you'd find many people go, oh, Hosea, man. Mm. But yet, the themes are still consistently very similar. I think that's cool, yeah. Mm. So yeah, as you said, it's the hidden gem of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hosea is, uh, I think, the first of the 12 minor prophets in the Bible. So if you didn't know, there's, there's major prophets and there's minor prophets in the Bible. So um, essentially, the difference between a minor, a major and a minor prophet is not the, the fact that, like, Isaiah was just so much better and grander than Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah or something like that. It's pretty much the, the content of their prophecy. So whoever prophesied the most, they would be called a, a major prophet. And who, the people who didn't prophesy as much, 
they would be a minor problem. Like, yeah, like that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, too, you you guys would know, everyone listening, you probably know Jonah. You've ever heard his name before. So both Jonah and Hosea are the only writing prophets of the northern kingdom, Israel. That's a hmm. little fun tip. Wow. Um, also, too, so referencing back to Isaiah again, when Hosea was preaching in Israel, guess who was preaching in Judah? None other than Isaiah. So, wow. huh. if you read the book of Isaiah and Hosea together, yes, this is pretty much happening at the same time, which is pretty cool, I think. Nice. So, I don't know about you guys. I like to have a little fun. It's what? Why not all the prophets just... Uh, imagine if the prophets had, like, this little gathering spot. You know, they got together one day to just talk and to chat and eat. Hey, what's it like? What do I do? No. They'd probably all just be going, oh my goodness, you have no idea what Israel's like. Oh, they won't listen to a word I say. <laughs> man, I'll trade you that for Judah any day, man. <laughs> Try dealing with those tribes. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, other thing too. So they say, uh, scholars suggest that he had a ministry of probably about 40 to 45 years. What is yeah, wow. Pretty lengthy time considering the state of Israel. Like, um, yeah, also, too, <clears throat> he, he went through the last six kings of Israel. So he had to deal with the last six kings. Now, if you're questioning, okay, how can there be six kings in 45 years? This, this also gives you a picture of the times that Hosea was preaching, preaching at. Um, so four of the last six kings, six kings were actually assassinated by this. That's so that, yeah, exactly. It's that really shows the moral bankruptcy of the time. <laughs> yeah, sure does. It's crazy. Anyways, so that's what Hosea is having to deal with, essentially. And as I said before, Hosea was actually the last prophet to Israel. So, I don't know, that would be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? All, yeah. All your work, all your work just coming to nothing, essentially. Pretty much. And then you got to start anew and start afresh every time a new king comes in, having to try and convince them of your message again and again. I know, and that's amazing that he went through six of them. When you think about it, he's really persevering yeah. through a lot of stuff. I think I might have given up by king two or three, to be honest. <laughs> Could that be some type of record, Jesse? Six kings? I How many other prophets would have experienced six different changes of leadership? Yeah, not many, I, I would think. But yeah, it's pretty interesting, pretty interesting. Right. Um, and to end it off, I just thought I'd give you guys a reading tip. If you want to read through the book of Isaiah, I highly recommend it. There's just a little thing you might find helpful. So, throughout the book, it talks about Israel a lot. That's the kingdom that it's, it's based in. But from time to time, you'll come across this, this name called Ephraim. And you'll probably find it a bit confusing because the, the Bible of Isaiah seems to interchange this name, Ephraim and Israel. It's really really not that confusing. Ephraim is the largest tribe of Israel. If you didn't know, Israel was comprised of 10 tribes, and Ephraim was the largest one. So when Hosea is saying Ephraim, really he's talking about Israel, the, the broader Israel. So if you find that a bit confusing, remember that, and hopefully that should help. Mm -hmm. Nice. Good tip. That brings us to the end of the fun facts. Now, oh. I'll just, uh, yeah, let's talk about some of the things I wanted to add, but because of time... And everything didn't get sure. 
Okay, so cool. could we go to Hosea chapter 1 and maybe read through verse 1 through the 9? Okay. Sure. Give us a big picture of what I want to talk about. Awesome. And so what was the, the particular reasoning behind cutting out this specific part? Yeah, some of it wouldn't have... Yeah, some of it would have taken the focus out of my sermon. Yeah. So it, a little bit off-tangent, off-topic... So, for that reason, I had to cut it out. Plus, my son was just getting way too big. <laughs> yeah, too too much to kind of memorize. Yeah. I thought it was a good length. Um, the the way you cut it down, twenty it was about twenty eight minutes or something. It was pretty good. Yeah, good length. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with what what happened. So yeah. So Hosea chapter one one to nine. That's it. Would you like me to read it for you? If you can, thanks. Sure. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea the son of in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Goma, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. For in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel and the house of Jehu, and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, Call her daughter Lo-Rahamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle by horses or horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rahamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his name Lo-Amai, or Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Thank you, Mr. Godfrey. No problem. So yeah, um, pretty much here I want to focus on the sons and the daughter, what their names mean. Uh, I wanted to discuss that Isaiah didn't just have a prophetic symbol for him and his wife their relationship. The prophetic symbol actually encompassed his whole family, which I man incredible. Wow. So, as you read, uh, God instructed Isaiah to name his children certain names. They're a bit of, they're odd names from our, yeah, if you look from our perspective and our culture, but I'm sure they were perfectly normal in the Israelite culture. <laughs> so, yeah. We've got uh, Jezreel, that's the, the first son, then We've got the daughter, her name is Lorama, and then we've got uh, Lo and me, I believe. So let's look at the first son, Jezreel. What does that mean? So if, if you remember from Michael's reading, it means God will scatter. Now this is talking about the Assyrian conquest of Israel. As I said, I mentioned before, Israel was destroyed. Isaiah was the last prophet to Israel, and the people who conquered them was Assyria, the Assyrian nation. Now, this, this name, Israel, as I said before, is talking about the scattering of Israel. Because when the Assyrians conquered them, they took some of the Israelites back um, yeah, as captives, obviously. But a lot of the Israelites just got dispersed among the nations, which, yeah, hence scattering. Um, now, let's look at the, the, the daughter. What does her name mean? So his daughter's name was Lorama, meaning not pitied. It's no. a pretty dodgy yeah, name no. for a child. Yeah, when I was reading it, I was just thinking, not wow. pitied. 
not pretty. Like an, an adorer as well. Yeah. You don't name mm. a daughter not pretty. But no. So that, essentially what that means is God would no longer show his favor toward Israel. Time and time again, nations would come trying to conquer Israel, but God would protect them. He would cover them, like the verse says, like a hand covers their cheeks mm. with his wings. But here, here is the time that eventually God would have to have to withdraw his his favor from Israel, and the Assyrian nation would come in and destroy them. But imagine a name essentially yeah. meaning all of that. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And finally, his his third son, Lo and Ni, meaning not my people. Now this is actually really crazy because essentially it's talking about God finally giving up on Israel. No more coming back, no more restored relationships. God was actually saying, Okay, you don't want me anymore, so be it. I'm not gonna I'm not yeah, gonna pursue What's interesting is really which, God is just kind of respecting their decision. Mm. Because part of the covenant mm. idea was that God would favor them and protect them so long as that they kept these commandments, or at least, you know, made the ambition to try and do so. But when the, the, you know, Judah and Israel have been actively and intentionally, purposefully disobeying God in almost every single way possible and show no sign of repentance, God just says, uh, I'll respect that decision. Uh, I'll take away my favor and let's see how you fare without me. Mm. And also part of the uh, so part of, I think, the invasion coming in would be as a, as a result of God taking away that protection, but it's also as part of a judgment, uh, which is what all a lot of the other major and minor prophets uh, after Hosea talk about as well. If you don't stop this soon, soon the judgment will come and you'll be invaded by other people. So it's interesting how you said Hosea was the first of the minor prophets, right? Yeah, he was kind of like a yeah, precursor. Yeah. He's kind of showing what's going to happen uh, if Israel doesn't pick up its game soon, which is interesting. Mm. So, yeah, also we mentioned before, like, low and mean, not pity. Yeah. That's a pretty rough name. But all these things were pretty rough. I mean, what would it be like growing up, having a name that essentially made, essentially meant, okay, God was one day going to walk away from us one day we will be scat scattered and conquered among the nations mm. uh, like it's crazy that that, mm. that would affect your childhood so why would god do this that was the question that i was kind of wrestling with for uh, when i studied this topic but i think there's actually a very good reason as i mentioned before hosea was the last prophet to israel like the very last one this was israel's last chance to repent and turn back to god essentially so I think God was just literally throwing everything he could to bring back Israel towards him, bring back Israel to, to restore the relationship back to God. And if you think about it, symbolism is, is powerful, really. Most, most humans are usually visual. Um, so when they would look at Hosea and his wife and his three children, all of that would testify to the fact that God was reaching out back to Israel. He was reaching out, trying to pull them back. And like, yeah, a prophetic family. That's that's hard to miss mm. or dismiss, I think. Definitely. So, mm. so, yeah. Also, too, Hosea was actually... No, okay, I'll put it this way. Hosea wasn't just preaching and speaking the word of God, what God 
told him to do. Mm. He was acting it out. He actually, in a sense, became God's message, which I think is really unique and powerful. So I think we can learn something from this as well. I think it could even be a Valentine's <laughs> kind of thing today. Valentine's tie-in. So let's not just tell our, our spouses or our, our husbands or wives or children that we love them. Let's just write a little note to them saying how much we care about them. Let's actually do something mm, to express point. our love to them. So let's embrace this whole uh, Hosea type thing of becoming our message. Yeah, I, I think that's a nice yeah, time for it. So, yeah, another interesting fact is that the last prophet and the last king of Israel had the same I name. Know, Did I you guys know that? <laughs> you, you wouldn't pick up on it because if you read most translations, they say the king's name was Hoshea oh, or okay. Hoshea or something like that. Really, if you go back to the Hebrew, mm. it's the exact same name. There's also something really cool about this name. This name means wow. salvation. So let's just backtrack for a second. Let's go to Hosea and Gomer. They were a prophetic symbol for God's relationship with Israel. And we just discovered that it wasn't just Hosea and Gomer, it was actually their three children. They were tied in, in this prophetic symbolism. But now we find out that the very name of Hosea, the prophet, ties in as well, mm. because his name means salvation. And not only that, but the last king of Israel, his name also means salvation. So if you tie all these things together, it's just mind-blowing. This picture we get of God reaching out through all these avenues to, to Israel, saying, come back to me. I want to be your, your God, your father again. So yeah, I think that's awesome. really beautiful, to be honest. So yeah, that, that kind of wraps us up for Hosea, Hosea chapter 1. Let's move on to Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2. And we'll be uh, for the listeners at home who want to read along, we'll be reading from verses 5 through to 8. I can read that one if you want. Sure, go for go it. it. says this. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, who give my who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in, wall her in, sorry, so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then it was better for me than now. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prefer, prepared for Baal. So, just before we discuss these texts, I just want to give you guys a little heads up when you read through chapter 2. There's a bit of language and wording that's confronting, plain and simple, when you read through Isaiah 2. Go ahead, read it. I won't tell you today on the podcast, but you will find it for yourselves when you read it. <laughs> it can be quite blunt and yeah, to the point. So there's an important thing to remember. When you're going through this chapter, I, I briefly mentioned it in my sermon. If you do a surface uh, level, uh, yeah, just a surface level reading of this, this chapter, it seems like it's Hosea talking to Goma. The whole chapter is essentially like this court case. And it seems like it's Hosea bringing Goma to this court case to be tried. But really, if you search for the text a little deeper, 
it's actually God talking to Israel. And it just uses, once again, Hosea and Gomer as a prophetic symbol for God's dealing with Israel. Mm. Now, that may sound simple, but keep that in mind when you're reading this text, and it's going to make a lot more sense. So that's just a little heads up for you guys. Um, and there's just a few things that I want to touch on this from what we just read today as well. So we read that it was God who gave the Israelites rain and grain and all their blessings in due season, the wine and the wool and everything like that. But because of their idolatry, because of their wickedness, because they turned away from God, God punishes them. Like, that's that's nothing new, hmm. just going to say. We've heard that before in the Bible. But these texts also give us an added insight as to why God punishes his people. Why God would withdraw these blessings that he originally gave them. Why would God do that? It's really like any good father. God takes away these blessings to remind Israel that it was actually God in the first place who gave yeah. them the blessings. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. So... I guess you could think of it like this, some illustration. So you've got a good father. Let's let's say he's a rich father. He gives his son for his birthday a Lamborghini, let's say. A nice red Lamborghini for a nice car. Anyways, the the son takes the Lamborghini, obviously. He would accept a gift like that. And he, he takes it and he just goes wild with the car. He starts getting involved in like street races. <laughs> he spends a lot of money. It sounds like and someone we know. Oh, it doesn't? <laughs> We won't name them, but keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. And then he, he gets even deeper. He starts using the money to buy drugs, and he just he's just messing up his life. What would the father do to correct to correct that issue? Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, logically, I think the father would have to... Take away the present. Yeah. The, 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 the present is conditional, in that he uses it appropriately. Exactly. That's expected and, of him in his part of the bargain or yeah. the deal. Exactly. And and taking away the car would fix two issues, really. First of all, it would fix the issues of the, the street racing and the drugs, that's obvious. Mm. But it would also take away all the, the time-consuming things that the son had been doing, essentially, to take away his time. Take away the time he would spend with his father, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it would really fix those two issues. He would stop doing all those bad things, and he would have more time with the father. And I think that, in a way, is what God is doing with the Israelites here, if that kind of makes sense. So, yeah. Um, let's let's move on from Hosea chapter 2. Now, we didn't spend much, much time in it, but I highly recommend, once again, go back and read through the chapter. There is so much in it. But now I want to move to my favorite, absolute favorite chapter. Ooh. It is it is good. I'll tell you that right let's now. Let's do it. So let's do it. It's Isaiah chapter 11. You got that one, Chris? I do. Isaiah chapter 11. And for our listeners at home, we're reading in verse 8. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zeboim? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. Yeah, what a verse. Mm. I, mean, I, I love that verse. To me, it really just sums up the book of Isaiah mm. in that one verse. It's just like God reaching out, God's heart aching for Israel. And he's like, oh, for, I think I mentioned in my sermon, but just in case, for repetition's sake, 
uh, Adma and Zabam, those two cities were two cities that were destroyed alongside Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, well, if you yeah, guys right, I remember that. are familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So God's just saying, Israel, I, I don't want to do this to you. I don't want to completely destroy you like I did with these two cities, Adma and Zabam. So would you please just come back to me? And there's a few things that really just struck out to me when I read this text, specifically the last two lines. So first of all, God says that his heart churns within me. Like, that's that's very poetic language. But, um, and just on the service level, that just is so powerful. But mm-hmm. the literal word for churns here is turn over. So let's just insert turn over into the text. So my heart turns over within me. So whenever God thinks of Israel, his heart is being described as turning, not being described as turning over. Like, that's crazy. God's heart is just like doing a little backflip inside. <laughs> yeah. When he thinks of Israel. That, and as I said in my sermon, that same love is what he expresses toward us. And that's crazy. And the, the last line too, my sympathy is stirred. When I think of this, I just think of like God up in heaven in the kitchen, just stirring this big pot of stew, the sympathy, sympathy stew. stew. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, he's just stirring away, making this healthy, delicious stew, and he wants to give it to his kids. He wants to give it to the children of Israel, but they they just don't want it. They want uh, candy. They want all these sweet things. <laughs> that the papa's made up this healthy bowl of stew, and they don't want. It. And it's yeah, to me that. That makes it just just so sad, and yet we do the same thing really as well as I've discussed myself. Yeah, and that's well. crazy yeah. comparing that to us. So yeah, uh, uh, that's that's Isaiah eleven eight for you guys. Ah, uh, I love that guy so much. Yeah, cool. I believe that takes us to our final round. Yes, the bonus oh, round. I love bonus round. <laughs> We're bringing it back as ever. So yeah, it's good. We didn't get one last episode, so I'm happy. I'm happy we've brought it back. I think it's almost a Jesse exclusive. (laughs) I don't mind. Cool. Michael, could you take us away with the next verse? Sure. Romans 6.23. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, That's actually not the verse I was looking for. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, but uh, my bad. No, it was actually um, the one Chris Chris quoted the first. I think the first couple of minutes. Anyways, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Um, you can you can look that up. Yeah. But what, what the point, that? point I want to make is um, just a little comparison between the story of Isaiah and that verse. So Christ died for us while we were still sinners, just like Hosea um, purchased Gomer really at her lowest point. Um, she was in the slave market, accused of adultery. Like, how, how low can you yeah. get lower than that? And in the same way, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get perfect, to, to com- obey all the commandments and reach that level that God wants us to reach. While we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, like Gomer, he came in and purchased us. I think that's really cool. So... Next verse. And verse there, I just found it. Romans five verse eight. Thank you. For cool. anyone Thank you very much. Cross, cross <laughs> reference that. There we go. Got out the good cross reference. <laughs> Sweet. Um, Hosea chapter two and verse eight. That's our next verse. 
So back to Hosea chapter 2. Would you mind reading that out? Sure. Hosea 2, 8. For she did not know that I gave her grain, new wine, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. It's, it's a sad picture, really. God was giving all these blessings to Israel. He was bestowing all their wine, their grain, as we read before. But they were attributing all those blessings to Baal, this, this fake mm. God, which is so sad. Like, while Israel was rejecting God, God was still blessing them, and they just completely were oblivious to that. They were just attributing all these awesome blessings to Baal, which is the, um, I believe it's the Phoenician sun god, if you guys are interested. Anyways, another interesting point, too, is that Baal was the god of, of part of what Baal encompassed was, he was a god of rain and of fertility, I believe, which is very interesting, because part of the things that God took away were rain, and obviously, uh, I guess in one sense, the fertility of the earth, the grain, the wine, all that sort of stuff. Mm. God taking a jab at their God, okay. You guys worship Baal for, for fertility, for harvest, for rain, all that sort of stuff. Okay, I'm going to take that away, and now what's Baal going to do for you? Yeah, it's similar to how, if you look at each of the ten plagues in Egypt, uh, God kind of usurps, in the same way, the role of one of their Egyptian gods. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. oh, you have a god of the river? Let's see him stop me from turning it to blood. God of the sun, well, we'll have darkness. We'll go to darkness. Everything. God of the skies or gnats. I'm not sure what the god is for all those, but... Anubis, god of death. God of death. Each of them, yeah, God kind of... Uh, he shows them how inadequate the idols are and where all of these... Where the real power is. He shows them where the real power is. And that's Just like him. with the snakes where Moses' serpent was the one that ate up the other ones. Hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, God kind of does a 180 on their philosophy, their religion, their worldview, just to, I guess, as we said before, to re-edify the point that God was trying to save them. He was trying to wipe the slate clean of any lies and um, falsifiable facts, anything that was encompassing their worldview, hindering them from coming back to God. Nice. So, yeah. Um, another thing, too, we could also apply this to our day and age, this, this could be, it could be uh, uh, maybe a controversial topic to some extent, but it's definitely true today that most of the Western world, Australia included, attributes our blessings, our cultural diversity, all that sort of stuff, economic growth, to, to science, to an uncorrupt political system, stuff like that. You, you would agree to that. Mm. But the thing is, if you pull back the curtain look back to the foundations of our society, we are really a Christian society from a foundational level. Yeah. We were, even Australia, if you look into the history, we were brought up to be a Christian nation. And I believe those Christian principles are the foundation, if you will, for all the blessings we experience today. So I, I think that's interesting. In a similar sense, we are attributing our blessings to maybe not... Not necessarily the wrong source, but not the main source, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, good point. So yeah, so, yeah let's, uh, let's go to our, our final verse for today, our final couple of verses. It's back to Hosea 1, 
This time we're going to read from verse 10 to the first verse of chapter 2. It's a little different, but if you look up in the Bible, it'll make sense. It's where the line of thought, thought follows on. So yeah, I can I can read that if you sure, like. Go for it. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the city, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and appoint for themselves one head, and they shall come out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brethren, my people, and to your sisters, mercy is done. That, that is a verse. Nice. So keep, keeping in mind that we just talked about how Israel was going to be completely destroyed, what does this verse mean? That is a good it's, question, considering the context, the larger context, yeah. Because um, we know now that um, like when the Assyrians conquered Israel, unlike Judah, they didn't come back. They didn't get restored. So what does it mean? What's it talking about? If you go to Romans and Galatians, back to the epistles of Paul, Paul actually explains this for us. So we won't look at that today, but look through Romans and Galatians, and you'll find there that the Gentile world comprised of both oh, the Gentiles, which is everyone who is not a Jew. They make up spiritual Israel, which is interesting. So, Israel, in a sense, wasn't completely destroyed. If you go back to Isaiah 11, what we read before, where God is saying, I, I don't want to make you like Adma, I don't want to make you like Zoram, those two cities that got completely destroyed and never restored. In a way, God didn't have to completely destroy Israel. In a sense, he did, but not really, because finally, in the end, God would call the Gentiles spiritual Israel. Mm. Right. Not just a Gentile as well. Jew and Gentile, they comprise spiritual Israel. So God got his wish, which is, I think is really cool. He just loved Israel so much, he just couldn't let go of them. So, in the end, we all are here, spiritual Israel, which I think is really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. All right. That kind of all right, so that wraps up the cutting room floor. Jesse, do Great. you have any uh, recommended readings for our listeners at home? So, yeah, um, definitely the Bible Project, their video on Hosea. As we said before, really good mm. stuff. A lot of if you can get, really good. If you can get yourself a copy of the MacArthur Study Bible, you, you can look up those notes. Some of them may be online, so yeah, there's that. And obviously the Bible. Yeah, yeah just look up those. Very reliable source there. Nice. Very reliable. We we referred to it several times, <laughs> just in the last hour. We did. We did. So now, thank you. Sounds good. Alright, well, welcome to the Valentine's special segment of the podcast, uh, appropriate t- appropriately titled, whatever we want to call it, you can call it Ship It, uh, The Christian Bachelor, I don't know what to call <laughs> it, we've got a lot of different names. But now, uh, our young co-host Jesse is a very young and eligible bachelor, so we thought that we would help Jesse in his search for love today, on this Valentine's Day, by browsing through some different profiles on... Adventist Singles Connection.com. Good luck, Jesse. 
<laughs> so we're going to go through. It's free to browse, which is good because I don't feel like paying necessarily. I agree. What do you do if they ask you to pay on a Sabbath? Oh. <laughs> Moral dilemmas. <laughs> Moral dilemmas. All right, so we got some questions that we're going to need to answer. Jesse, you are a man. This is correct? I, I think so. so. I think so. <laughs> good to know. What is your height, Jesse? Oh, that's a good question. Are you six, six one? Six foot, six one, six yeah. two. If you look at my um, driver's license, which is probably what the authorities would look at, it's definitely not six one. But let, let's go six one. Let's go. Let's okay. go six one. Let, let's. let's we're we're bending the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So next question: What is your body type? We got slender, average, athletic, large but muscular, washboard. If you want to fill that one out, I should maybe lose a few. Full figured, or I will tell you later. Quite the diversity of options. Um, let's go. Wait. Oh, let's just let's just go average. Let's go average. I like that. Nice. That sounds that sounds like a fair, honest answer. Yep. Way to not bend to our, the truth. <laughs> as opposed to our height one. Uh-huh. Alright, eye colour. And your options. You've got black, blue, brown, grey, green, hazel, red, violet, and other. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with red eyes. Isn't that like they're sick? Or a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. My eye colour is changing currently, I think. It's probably like a combination of green and blue. Probably more so green than blue at the moment. So go green. Green it is. Yep, sounds good. What is your hair colour? Uh, I would say like a, a light brown. Strawberry yeah. blonde. There's an option here. Is strawberry that, blonde. Is that the hair colour that strawberry shortcake has? <laughs> there is just, just strawberry with no blonde. I wasn't even aware strawberry was a colour. <laughs> I mean, like hair color, at least. Uh, do you do you feel that your hair is silver, not grey, silver? All right, if we're keeping in, if we're keeping with it, it shouldn't be black. It should be blackberry, blackberry. blonde pineapple, mm-hmm. or lemon. Yep. <laughs> grey is just rotting fruit, <laughs> and dark brown is. You know, I'm offended that they don't have green on this list. No broccoli heads. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse. Uh, I reckon light brown. Light brown. What do you think? Alright. Ethnicity. You look pretty Caucasian to me. I might be. So We've got um, other options here. We've got some other options, but I think we can... Other is one of the other options. They're being politically <laughs> correct. Alright, what is your education? See, I feel like you're studying to be a... You're studying... You're going to be studying a bachelor's degree course. So we could just put bachelor's. If we're going to the future, why not aspire Jump ahead. Let's go PhD. And oh, I accidentally clicked. I don't have an education. So. Right underneath the PhD <laughs> button. Sorry, you just went from having a PhD to having no education in a matter of seconds. Good luck. There'll be plenty of matches out there for you. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, right. We can fix it up right now. What is your occupation? Oh, okay. Since I have no education, that could be kind of difficult. <laughs> What? Um, well, you're on this show, oh, aren't you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> a professional that, podcast is a noble, noble job. Well, if the definition of a professional is someone who earns money... <laughs> <laughs> then just podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you're not earning any money, yeah, so you're just, just a podcast. Sorry, though. Jesse, we're not paying you for this. We do appreciate your time, though. We're also not sponsored by Adventist Singles. Mm-hmm. We're getting no money from doing this. <laughs> just, just a disclaimer. Okay. Uh, uh, how, often, how often do you have a Siggy? 
I'm hoping never. How often do you <laughs> smoke on a scale of never to whenever I can? How about uh, I've read Ministry of Healing, thank you. <laughs> Don't patronize me. <laughs> nice no right, go ahead. We know the health message. Sure. And how often do you drink? He's read Proverbs. He doesn't drink. <laughs> Wine is a mocker. Proverbs 3, is that right? I thought no, it was I, in the 20s. It, might, it could be in the 20s. Fact it could be way off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, what is your marital status? You're single and have never been married. Yeah. Alright, about children. Now, your options here. I do not have children but would like to. I have children and I want more. I don't have children, I want children. I have children and I don't want any more children. I have children and I would welcome your children. I do not have children, but I would welcome your children. I'm open to all possibilities, or just ask me. Did you catch them all, do you? <laughs> do you want me to go through them again? Let's just say ask me. Ask, oh, ask surprise. Me. <laughs> okay. It's a closed book. <laughs> Alright, so... Now, I've tried putting in Australia, but every time I do, it says... Must supply a valid, valid region. region. So, so apparently if you're from no, any country valid. other than the US of A, that's not valid. Yeah, we tried the United Kingdom as well and it wouldn't work, so... There is no country but America. America. Sorry, so you you um, it, you um can't be from Australia in this, you have to be from America. So uh, I hope you can you. fake an accent for your sake. Good luck. You can say that you moved there recently. Alright, here's, here's where it gets interesting. If you were ever on the run and you had to use a fake name, a pseudonym, mm -hmm. what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Let's go, Frank. Yeah, go ahead. Frank, uh, bending Frank the truth enough. White. Frank White. Uh, are you being quite frank? <laughs> I like it. And I'm going to set your birthday as Valentine's Day in 1990. Two so. years older than you already are. Yeah. I was born to find love. Born for love. Born to love. Okie doke. Mr. Frank White, you're ready to go. Username is quite Frank 1990 mm -hmm. Your password... Uh, We're not going to tell the good folks at home. Or else they're going to go into your account and start tampering with all your matches. <laughs> Email. Done. Alright, describe yourself and your personality. Looks like you've got um, about 50 words in this text pack. How would you describe yourself, Mr. Frank White? I am quite Frank. About everything? There we go. I am quite frank about everything. Alright, I think we think you need to cap it off with at least one more sentence. Um, so, 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 so far we've got, I am quite frank about everything. I love long walks on the beach, ice cream and puppies. We should change it up a little bit. Put something out there that's unexpected. Mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, what's something you like doing? Do you like collecting something? Uh, stamp collecting? Uh, is that, is that too mainstream? I, I collect. Mainstream. Oh, I said I love puppies. I collect lost puppies. Ooh. Uh -huh. How can you not like a guy who collects lost puppies? That's you're gonna get a whole lot of. The high ranger. That's you, won't, you won't end up with any crazy cat ladies. That's right. Though. That's right. No cat ladies. Okay. There we go. All right. I confirm that Fred agreed to terms, conditions, and service, and the privacy statement continue. Jesse, have you have you read the terms and conditions? Would you like to send uh, you the privacy statement? You know what? Uh -huh. I haven't. So. Unable to process your registration. What? Please try again later. Was it because we put down Frank Quiet? Uh, I'm telling you, they've it's got a, a... They've got a troll filter. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, you even put down a legit email address. I thought you were going to put down a fake one, but you didn't. We were serious. 
we legitimately were looking for love here. You're gonna bet you're, you're going to get some angry emails coming in. Tell you that right now. I don't know the email address. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh well. Not from them, from Adventist Singles. Ah, oh, from Adventist Singles. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? This never got through. They just don't want it. Oh well. We may have been a bit unlucky in finding love today, but hopefully in the future, in person, I believe you will. Mm, that's I right. believe it's you. Jesse, you're more than capable I of know. finding love in person. You don't need to use any dating <laughs> websites. Thank you for that moral support. And. And by the way, for listeners at home, if you're thinking of looking up uh, Mr. Frank Quite on Adventist Singles Connection, uh, I would not bother for two reasons. One, we haven't even been able to get in. Yeah, that's a pretty good reason. And two, if we were to get in, we probably would have got rid of it, so we're not breaking someone's poor that's heart. That's right, we really don't want to um, mess with people on this uh, very incredible website. No, we don't want to mess with people, so <laughs> you won't be able to find Mr. Frank quite there anyway. But if you want it, you can find him in person. You can. <laughs> His mobile number is. Just kidding. Well, speaking of finding him, otherwise, other places than the website, Mr. Jesse Marks, where can these people find you? Sure. So, I have my YouTube account. It's called simply Jesse Marks. So, look that up. I'm sure it'll be awesome. at the, the link in the description below. Yeah, yeah, we'll make sure the link is in the description for the sermon and for the YouTube channel. Definitely. There you go. And Michael, where can these people find you? Oh, easy. Um, again, link in the description. It's just Michael Godfrey. That's the name of the channel. Um, encourage you to go check it out. Cool. And Chris, what about you? Where can everyone find you? Yep, you can find me down at my channel, Christopher Peterson. And, and that's Peterson with an S-E-N, not S-O-N. It's the Danish spelling, mm. the proper spelling. <laughs> so if you're looking for Peter Son, you won't find me. Look for Peter... Sen. Go to the description, it's the best place. Yeah, easiest way to there. find it. Easy. Well, there we go. That concludes today's Valentine's Day special of the podcast. I really enjoyed being able to do this. Uh, I've, actu- I've actually been wanting to do an After Sermon podcast uh, for The Prodigal Wife for a while now, mm. but I knew this really fit in with the theme of unconditional love and all that, so I really wanted to keep it for this. So I'm really glad that we finally got to do it, and we got to have Jesse back on, who we haven't had in a while, so it's great to have him back Thanks very much for being here, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the conclusion of today's podcast. And with that said, have a happy Valentine's Day, and good good night. night.